sinful flesh to be a sin offering. I guess the lettering's not tall enough for me. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God, and it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not the flesh to live according to it, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as if is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. 
Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also among with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks, Brad, for reading that. I wanted that uh, radio voice to read. There can be nothing that separates us. Thank you, Brad. We've been in the Romans road trip, and as a church, we've gone a chapter at a time through the book of Romans. If you haven't been here, you can go online and listen. And I wanted to go a chapter at a time, but as I began chapter 8, I realized I'm not going to make it through a chapter at a time. And unfortunately today, I'll apologize up front, we're going to get about through one verse today. But we've been on this road trip because it's Paul's longest epistle. It's his deepest epistle. I believe it's his most important because it speaks to our life. And when you look at the horizon of Scripture, this Romans 8 becomes the mountaintop. One theologian called it this. It's the totality of the biblical record. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter that we should look at and memorize verses out of there that we have no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You go on and you think about we're more than conquerors, that, that if God is for us, who can be against us? All things work together for good. What can separate us from the love of God? And I encourage you to memorize chapter 8 and get it into your heart because it tells us what the Christian life is all about. It tells us what life in the Spirit is all about. And you know what I love about it? This is it. When it starts, it begins in verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's how it starts, that there is no condemnation from the wrath of God. I have no fear of the wrath of God. Verse 1, great chapter, and then it ends with this. What's the other bookend? Nothing can separate me from his love. From his relentless love that comes after me, there's nothing that can separate me. I don't have to fear his wrath, and nothing separates me from his love. And so let's look at Romans Chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let's dissect that verse. Starts with the word therefore, and so if we have a therefore in Scripture, when we are interpreting Scripture, we have to ask ourselves, what is that therefore, therefore? And so we have to go back and see what Paul has spoken to this point in the Roman road signs. I just want to review with you quickly. The road signs we've seen along the way, the first one came in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
We found out that we're sinners. That's our state. That's who we are. We are in Adam. We are completely sinful. We are miserable wretches. That's who we are. I'm sorry, but that's it. Welcome back to church. You're a miserable wretch. You know, that's what we found out. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Because you get to Romans chapter 6, and our next road sign said this, For the wages of sin is death. If you want to go through life and pick up a paycheck at the end of your life, this is it. The wages is death, but the free gift, the gift of God, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I don't know about you, I don't want to get paid at the end. I, want to get the wa- I don't want to get the wages, I want to get the gift from God. That's what I want. So how do we get that gift? How do we get to the end of our life and get that gift from God? There's a one-way side, and it says faith in Christ. It's justification by faith. That's the message of Romans. And so that is what Paul is telling us about. And when we're in Christ, there is no condemnation. But it's difficult to wrap our minds around, isn't it, when we begin to think about who we really are. I want you to go back just one chapter. If your Bibles are open, keep your Bibles open, your sermon notes out. Let's do this together. If you go back one chapter in chapter 7, as he's concluding chapter 7, going into chapter 8, it's verse 24 where Paul says this, Oh, what a miserable person I am. The King James uses the word wretch. Oh, what a miserable wretch I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Paul finds himself, and that's who I am. I'm this miserable person. I'm dominated by sin and death. And then right into chapter 8, verse 1, he says, there's now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm this wretch, but but there's no condemnation, and, and is that a contradiction? And, and some people have tried to explain away that 724 passage of Scripture. They've tried to say, well, that's Paul before he became a Christian. That's Paul in his pre-converted state. That's Paul when he didn't know Jesus. He was a miserable wretch. And then when he found Jesus, then he became a better person. But that isn't what Paul is saying there. In fact, if you witness to people, if you share your faith with people and, and they don't have any concept of Jesus and, and, and you try to convince them that they're a miserable wretch, they'll be like, no, I'm, I'm actually a good person, if you think about it. I mean, compared to other people, I'm, I'm not that bad. See, what we have to realize is that when we get to know Jesus, when we get to 8-1 and we look back, we realize who we really are. Because we'll never realize who we are without the love of Jesus, without his grace, without the law, pointing some things out to us. And what we find out is I am a miserable wretch, but there's no condemnation for a person like me, and that's the gospel. That's the good news, that I am miserable. I am a sinner, but God has saved me. The law continues to point out my sin, but the law is not the problem. Go back to chapter 7, verse 12. It says, but still the law itself is holy, and its commands are holy and right and good. The law is righteous. The law is good. The law is given by God. Law is not your problem. Sin is your problem. That sin that gets inside of us and and begins to deceive us and and pulls us away from the things of God and promises us fulfillment and we go that way and it always ends in dissatisfaction. But that sin entices us and it pulls us away and the law is there to point that out and then we feel like a miserable wretch when we go after sin. We feel so bad. It's like I shouldn't have done that, but we are good. It's good to know. The good news is, is Jesus has dealt with our sin. He's dealt with our sin because we actually are dealing with what we call two simultaneous states at the same time. And I'm going to write these on the board. It's kind of like a a ledger sheet, if you will. 
And so what I find myself, and if I'm describing myself, when the law looks at me, when I think about the miserable wretch that I am, I begin to, to look at it this way, that I am weak. I fail. I'm guilty. And when I look at this side of the ledger, I say, yes, this is me. This is true. I am weak, I fail, I'm guilty. And there is not one person, because 3.23 tells us all have sinned. And so, yes, this is true about me. But what's awesome about the gospel of God is that he doesn't leave us in that state, but he takes us on to the other state where we are loved. Where we're safe. Where we're secure. And is this me? Am I loved? Am I safe? Am I secure? Yeah, that's me too. That's me too. That's, these are these two simultaneous states that are going on inside of me. And that's where I, I find myself. And, and, and to think that I'm weak and I fail and I'm guilty, but yet I'm loved, safe, and secure, it's almost too good to be true. How can this be? When is this a reality? And who is this for that I can walk in this state even though I am a sinner? And so I want you to look at that passage of Scripture with me. Verse 1 again. When does this happen? It says, therefore, now. Sorry. Now there is no condemnation. In your Bibles, underline or highlight the word now. This is not a future state. Well, someday I'm going to be loved, safe, and secure when I get to heaven. But right now, right now, I am loved, safe, and secure. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I stand in grace right now. Not someday, but now. But if I don't have God's grace, if, I, if I'm not with Christ, I don't have it right now. This is my state right now. That is who I am. If I don't have grace, I do stand condemned. I stand condemned because I was born, and chapter 5 tells me I'm born in Adam. And I'm part of this, this, this group, this, this human race that has sinned, that is weak, that does fail, that is guilty. I find myself there. Right now. So how do I get out of the state and move into the other state and to live in that state? Who is this for? And this is for those who are in Christ. And we talked about that in Romans chapter 5. But I want you to do, notice, and in verse 1, the word in. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Highlight that. Underline that in your Bible. Get that inside of you. This idea of being in Christ is so important to Paul. He uses it in all his letters over 160 times. He says, you must be in Christ. And he talks about being in Christ or Christ in you, that there's this relationship with Christ, that we must be in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. See, we can live in this side when we are in Christ, loved, safe, and secure. There's something beautiful about that. I love the idea of being in Christ and living in that relationship with Him. So I'm in Christ, but the problem is I'm also in this world. And you're in this world. And there will be a day when we are in Christ, when we see Him face to face, and there will be no more possibility of sin. 
There will be, there will, there won't be any need for grace because we're going to be with Jesus. And we're going to be free from that sin. But right now, you and I are constantly bombarded by sin. We are constantly tempted. We constantly go through these phases because these are two simultaneous states. I am weak. I do fail. I am guilty. And I find myself on that side of the ledger more often than not. And there's a temptation that I want to talk to you about today. And I want you to be careful of. Because when we find ourselves on this side of the ledger where I fail and I'm, I'm weak and I'm guilty, there's this temptation to work harder. That I'm going to try and do better. When the law points out how weak and frail and guilty I am, I, okay, I'm going to do better. Do you remember who's writing this? It's Paul the Apostle. If there was anybody that before he came to Christ was a good person, a Pharisee of Pharisees, a person that followed every part of the law that was possible, he tried to do everything right. And what does he say? I count it all as garbage. See, there's this temptation, I'm going to do better, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to do more. And I want to tell you that you'll never be able to get out of it. In fact, the more you try, the worse it gets. Because your conscience will get stronger and it'll start accusing you more. And the law will be at work in your heart. And again, you will go and you'll feel weaker and fail more and feel more guilty. And all these things will happen in your life. You don't want to be there. Because as strong as this side of the ledger might be, this one's stronger. Do you remember Romans chapter 5 and verse 20? Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. So whatever the bottom line of this side of the ledger is, this one's more. And this is the side that you live on when you are in Christ. I love that because when I feel weak and, and, and I fail and I'm guilty. I, I feel so bad. But then I have to walk onto this side and, and realize that I'm in Christ. And if I kind of summed up this whole message into one sentence, it's this. Is it is an amazing, amazing thing that God would take a miserable wretch like me and a miserable sinner like you and He would write in His love letter to you that there is therefore now no condemnation. That you don't have to fear God's wrath. And nothing can separate you from the love of God. That's the good news. That's the message as we begin, as we open up into Romans chapter 8. But I do want to say this and say it very clearly, that there is no grace outside of Christ. You need to be in Christ. You need to be with Him. So how do you get this state of being in Christ? How do you get this state where I know I'm this side because I'm in Adam. I get that I'm this, but how do I get here where I know I'm loved and I'm safe and I'm secure? How do I get there? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says this, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation, having believed, you are marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. I love this. Look at that. First of all, in Christ. You're included in Christ. How do we get included in Christ? By hearing the word of truth. By hearing the word. By hearing the gospel. And then, look at the next part. Having believed. Having believed that you believe in your heart when you hear the gospel preached. 
You don't get to the other side by trying to be good, by trying to please God, by trying to jump through hoops. You get to the other side by being in Christ, hearing his word and responding to his word, by believing in your heart. And that's how you get in Christ. That becomes our identity. Your identity is no longer in this world, although there might be two simultaneous states taking place. You don't live in this world anymore, spiritually speaking. Your identity is not found in Adam. Your identity is found in Christ. And when your identity is in Christ, there's no condemnation right now. Right now. I want you to know who you are. It was a while ago, and we have these days in the winter, as you know, where it gets so cold out that you're not even supposed to walk outside. And... Um, I was driving down Dempster on the other side of Mount Prospect on one of those days. There was snow on the ground, uh, bitterly cold. And um, I was driving down. I was, I was heading somewhere for a meeting, and I, I was kind of rushing to get there. And I saw an old woman in a house coat, not even walking on the sidewalk, but walking through the snow. And I knew something was wrong. It just wasn't right. There was something wrong. Uh, and, and I knew that I, I just pulled into the first parking lot I could, and I went over to her, and I said, can I give you a ride somewhere? Are you going somewhere? Can I take you somewhere? And she goes, I don't know where I'm going. And I said, well, I'll take you home. Tell me where your home is. And she says, I I don't know where it's at. And so I thought, well, if if she would give me her name, I could then go through the apartment buildings and and look on the mailboxes. and, and, And I said, so what's your name? And she goes, I don't know. And I realized then, um, it was a very sad situation. And so I was, I was taking her to get her into one of the lobbies of the apartment buildings where it would be warmer than outside. And then just, uh, I didn't know what to do. Maybe call the police. I had no idea what to do. And, and as we're walking toward the lobby, a, a, a younger woman comes running down the street. And she said, Mom, what are you doing out here? We were worried about you. Please, please come back. And she took her mom back, back to the apartment. Wow. Sad. And some of you may even be dealing with that even now. Those are are hard situations. Those are difficult situations. But allow me to bring that into the spiritual realm. There are so many people that walk through this life that have no idea who they are. They're lost. They don't know where home is. If you ask them, who are you? I don't know. Where are you going? I don't know. See, what we get from the book of Romans, where Paul is trying to say, this is what the Christian life is all about, is he says, you belong to Jesus. You're his child. You're his friend. You are in Christ. And your home is not down here in this miserable estate. Your home is with God forever. See, that is our identity. And Romans chapter 8 is trying to tell you who you are. And we have to look at the mirror, and we realize that we're weak, and we fail, and we're guilty. But we also realize there's no condemnation from God's wrath. I don't have to fear. And there's nothing that will separate me from his love. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me this morning? Pastor Jonathan's going to come and lead us in a hymn. But I just want to talk to you real quickly. 
and with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let me repeat our verse today and allow the word of God to soak into your heart before we go. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I want you to belong to him today. I want you to have your identity in him today. I want you to realize that that both of those sides of the ledger might be full, but the side of grace is always greater. I want to invite you this morning and and, um, give you this opportunity on a Back to Church Sunday. Maybe you're listening to this or maybe you're watching online. I want to give you an opportunity to be in Christ. The Bible told us that we need to hear the word and then respond to the word. So I want you to be in Christ. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you say, I want to be in Christ, I want to be loved and safe and secure. The first part is that you admit your need. You admit that that you're weak and that you fail and that you're guilty. Admit your sin. Turn from your sins. Believe that Jesus Christ came and he died on a cross and he paid the penalty for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. He took your death upon himself on the cross. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer and I'm going to invite you to invite Christ to come in so that you can be in Christ. And I want you to do that today. Maybe it's for the first time. Maybe you find yourself sitting here today and and this was once true in your life, but you feel far from God today. Come home today. Get that identity today. And to everyone else that walks with God, I don't know about you, but I'm going to pray this prayer from my heart today because uh, I just want to once again reaffirm that I am in Christ, that I belong to Him and not to this world. And so I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. And then we're going to stand and and sing together. But would you repeat this prayer from your heart this morning as a declaration that you are in Christ. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you this morning. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we no longer stand condemned. But Lord, we walk in your grace. And God, I thank you that nothing will separate us from your love. I thank you that our identity is found in you. And God, I thank you that we don't just have to try harder, but that we just have to be in relationship with you. I thank you for that today. Just spend some time with the Lord as Pastor Jonathan and Rebecca just lead us in this hymn. Father's love for me, it's beyond all measure that He should give His only Son 
turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one sons to glory talking about how deep the Father's love for us was that he gave his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Wow. God loved us so much. He didn't want to leave us the way we were, but invited us to be his treasure. I love the gospel. I love the Lord. I love what he's speaking to us. And it's hard not to, like, keep smiling when you're talking about Romans chapter 8. But I am very excited about where God's taking us in the weeks to come. And I just want to invite you to to be a part of church and to dive in and to grow in the Lord. Invite you to to read chapter 8 over the next several weeks and really allow it to get inside of you. To be a part of a church family, to share your faith. All of those things are so important. And... uh, Again, if today, if you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, there's a packet up front. Just feel free to come up and take one. They're free. they got a Bible in there. talks about the Christian life and just encourages you. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front over where I sit, and, and I'll pray for you this morning. Prayer team members will be with me. And uh, if you need special prayer today, we're, we're here for you for that. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord this morning? I don't think there's any greater blessing than Romans chapter 8. We walk in that. But... Uh, today receive the blessing of the Lord as we go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing. 
God, I thank you for your love, God. I thank you that we are in Christ this morning. And God, we just love you. We honor you. And uh, God, we pray that you would keep us safe and keep us strong until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Who you'd like to spend a little more time with the Lord, you can do that here in the sanctuary. If you need special prayer, I'll be down front. But out in the lobby, there's so many things to sign up for, whether it be the picnics or the men's event, women's events, classes that are coming up, the webinar. Go out and sign up, but do not leave without fellowshipping with one another, your brothers and sisters in Christ. It was great to see you this week, and I'll see you next week here at church.